I'm Khalil A. Colonna, and this is Nashville. Poetry is an art form that has helped human beings give detail to the experience of life. Throughout our history, poets take the smallest details of a moment and put them into words that can help us understand what it means to be human. Joy, pain, laughter, and heartache are all expressed beautifully through poetry. Spoken word is an oral performance of a poem that takes the passion on the page and transfers it to the voice, releasing meaning through the air and making it available to all those within earshot. The energy of a spoken word performance can be transformative. Here in Nashville, the passion of spoken word has been maintained by a few people who are dedicated not only to the words themselves, but to the community of people who share those words. My next guest is one such person. Amani Rama is the founder of Soul Food Poetry Cafe, which holds events at City Winery, and she joins me now. Imani, thank you for being here. Welcome to This Is Nashville. Thank you. Thank you. I loved your definition of poetry and spoken word. Yes. Poetic self. Well, thank you. Thank (laughs) you very much. I'm trying to be on brand, let's say. Um, Now, tell me this. You know, you're so influential in the community, in the spoken word community. How did you get into spoken word? Oh, that's a great question. Um, For me, I started writing poetry um, when I was about 12 years old. And um, it was I was it was about in 2006 when I really discovered that there was a difference between written poetry and spoken word. Um, I actually was watching um, a a show that is called um, Deaf Poetry Jam. I remember that. Remember, it was like Deaf Deaf Comedy Jam. And then Deaf Poetry came uh, out of HBO. And I was watching that. And that's when I discovered, wow, the, the difference between poetry and spoken word. And I want to get into spoken word. I want to take my poetry and turn my pieces into spoken word pieces. That's what, and that blew me away when I first witnessed that. Okay, so who were some of your influences during that time? So um, some of my influences include Emerald Green, who actually has featured on my show um, last November. She's a um, HBO deaf poet. Georgia Me. Um, actually, Kanye West was on Deaf Poetry Jam, if you can, can remember. Um, I really love Black Ice. Um, and I really, going back to my first influences, Maya Angelou was one of my favorite poets growing up. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, a lot of people have different definitions for art forms, which I, I really appreciate because that means it's something personal to them and they define it in their own way as they go through and attempting to master the craft or at least in the appreciation of it. How would you define spoken word? So for me, spoken word is performance poetry, taking the poems off the page and bringing them to the stage. Is there a particular energy that one has to have when they're doing spoken word? Absolutely. It's almost like a performance of a soliloquy or a one-woman show. When you're when I'm on stage, um, I have arm movement. My voice can, my volume of my voice can rise and fall. It's very similar to um if you if you will if you could imagine a black baptist preacher mm. 
um, with the rise and fall of the voice, um, always looking at different people in the audience, arm movement, walking across the stage, running, jumping. Like it's really a huge um, outward expression of the words that have been written. Talk to me about that relationship that you have with the audience when you're performing, because I'm sure, you know, you perform in front of different audiences all the time. So how important is it or how vital is it to really understand the energy of the audience before you start your piece? And as you're reciting your piece, how do you work with that changing energy as the audience is kind of responding to what you've just said, but also you are anticipating the next line? Talk to me about that relationship. Well, it's funny that you say that because at the CD Winery, I always start the night with, how are you doing? Let me hear your energy. Like the energy from the audience is of utmost importance. If the audience is dry, you've got to bring your energy up yourself. But the, if the audience is hype and excited, they take you to the next level. There is a very close relationship to the artist and the audience. And um, when I'm performing or when I'm practicing. I don't have that audience. And sometimes when the audience is hype, I might change the inflection. I might, I might repeat, you know, they might ask me to rewind and I repeat a line, that type hmm. of thing. So the audience energy is, is like we were in sync with the audience. And when we, if, a, if the audience isn't feeling you, maybe I need to do something different. Maybe, maybe you need to speak louder. Maybe you need to calm down so they can hear you better. Like, it's very much a relationship. That's a good call out and a great question. That, that it's like it's super, it's very visceral, you know. Um, very visceral. As I think about it, you know, you are responding. You are in the moment. Have you ever had a moment where you kind of get you kind of get choked up? You forgot a word. You forgot a line, or you got caught up on a particular emotion as you were performing. Absolutely. Um, and all of my poems are really personal and the best poets tell pieces of their lives. And sometimes you can get choked up and your audience will give you, be patient with you and give you a chance to get it together and, and say, you know, things like, come on, you got this, that type of thing. And, and that's when, you know, you got them when they even will allow you to quote unquote, uh, misalign mm. or, uh, what someone might think is messing up, but you're so emotionally involved in what you're saying, maybe you will get choked up. Uh, I forgot a line before I made up a different line. Uh -huh. um, you, know, <laughs> you know, sometimes I, uh, according to my audience, I might have to change the words when I see who's there. I might have to flip the words around. I might have to be more passionate, less passionate. Like you got to be very aware when reading the room is very important to a spoken word artist. So the audience isn't there looking for perfection so much as they're looking for authenticity. You're absolutely right. And I've seen uh, poetry audience have even more grace. You know, there's um, when I first started the Soul Food Poetry Cafe, it was an open mic situation. And, you know, I might introduce someone, for example, um, Alexis Wolf came to the Soul Food Poetry Cafe. Um, we call it a virgin on the mic. The first time performing in front of the audience, if the audience knows that they give you grace, they give you patience, they, they give you encouragement because Standing in front of people, they say, is the the scariest thing to do. Public speaking is the most, um, the scariest thing to do. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, you mentioned Soul Food Poetry Cafe that you founded. Currently, it holds events at City Winery. You, you mentioned briefly that you founded it and started it as an open mic. But talk to me about how and why 
you started this this collective. Sure, sure. So so for me, here's what happened. Um, after watching when I, I mentioned earlier Deaf Poetry Jam, I'm like, I want to find a place where I can do this. So I'd heard about um, the legendary Kijiji um, Kijiji's. That was the open mic spot for all the legendary poets that come through Nashville. I went there, a friend of mine went there on a Friday night to perform. Um, for the first time, I had my little piece memorized and I was ready to take that shot to do it for the first time. Mm-hmm. And the door closed. The Kijiji's Coffee House had been had closed permanently the day that I went. Um, it was in late October of 20, 2006 and it was closed. So my friend said, hey, let's start our own open mic. And I was like, what? Hmm. OK, let's do it. And and uh, on February 2nd of 20, 2007, that was the very first night of the Soul Food Poetry Cafe. And it was birthed behind wanting to provide a stage and a mic for people who want to do spoken word. Um, because at that point, um, Kijiji's was the only place to go. So you start Soul Food Poetry Cafe, February 2007, beginning yes. initially only open mic folks. We fast forward all the way to 2023. You're at the city winery. Three hundreds of people are there to see it. And you're booking guests, you're booking poets who are nationally famous. Two questions for you. One, how does it feel to go from something that was a passion to something now that is now an institution? And also, do you still give shots to kind of rookie and newbie spoken word artists? It feels phenomenal. Uh, the first night we had, 30, I always say on stage, we went from 30 people to 300 people. Um, there's 314 seats um, downstairs at the city winery. And normally we fill them all in advance of the show. Regularly, we do ask, um, well, people are already on the list waiting to see what our 2024 calendar looks like, the first professional poet. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the thing. Um, the City Winery is a big stage. There's about 12 different locations around the country, and it's a very, um, it's a big deal to perform on the City Winery stage. Um, there's been times, however, when other poets reach out and say, hey, have you heard this poet? Have you heard that poet? You ought to get them to come out. They're fairly new, but they're dope. For example, that happened to me. Uh, a friend of mine reached out about a poet named Wisdom Way. I never heard wisdom before. In fact, I actually live in Atlanta now. Mm-hmm. So I'm not in the boat on the who, who the newcomers, up and coming newbies are on the scene. So I do rely on some of my peers to, to give me the, the you know, who have that bird's eye view on who those up and coming people are. So he was like, hey, you got to check her out. I reached out to her. She spit for me on the phone and I said, you, I'm going to give you a shot. And the next show, she had an opportunity to perform, um, and the audience loved her. Shout out to Wisdom Way, my girl who's now featuring at different spots around around the city since uh, she hit the stage at the City Winery for Soul Food Poetry Cafe. From auditioning over the phone to featuring at places, it's, it's, it's really remarkable. Now, okay, so you live, you started this institution here in Nashville, but you live in Atlanta, so and you talked about how much you rely upon the community here in Nashville to give you a heads up on who's emerging and some of the up and coming artists. So what what 
was, well, well, tell me this, you know, what does it mean to the spoken word community here in Nashville? How are, how are they connected? How do they form community out here? So, so, um, my very last show was this past Saturday. And because the Soul Food Portrait Cafe has, has exploded into more of a, I have a live band, a 12 piece band with vocalists and um, as well as the professional poets. And we, we're, I'm not, I'm not saying we're on a different level, but it's not a open mic anymore. Mm. Um, so, so what I did was this last weekend is I paid homage to the to the organizations and poets that's actually keeping the spoken word open mic scene alive and well who are, um, because who, that's not, that's not where we are with it anymore who are some of those folks who are all working right. well first of all, i want to give a shout out to emerald green um even though she is based out of chicago uh, we honored her because of her organization called the Sandwich Ministry that um, provides food, uh, clothing, um, meals to underprivileged neighborhoods in Chicago. So I just wanted to get out, get that out of the way. That that was very important for me to give a shout out to her for that because she funds it totally from her poetry uh, uh, events she has in Chicago. But in Nashville. I want to start by giving a shout out to my guy, Frank Frizzy Sykes. His um, open mic show is called Poets Underground. It's every Thursday at um, a venue in Nashville called Island Vibes in the Antioch area. That's one of the people. Um, of course, I want to give a shout out to Po Boys and Poets. There's a poet named Black Atticus that actually started Po Boys and Poets in Knoxville. And then when he moved to Nashville, he carried that baton down to us here and they have shows regularly and they also have virtual shows as well. Um, another person that we honored was Cameron Mitchell and Free Fire. Free Fire has been traveling all over the country um, presenting the art of spoken word to people all over. Um, he's actually... Um, an actor laureate and a poet laureate. So he's really doing his thing. And then and then on top of that, we honor two different poets. One is a veteran poet in the game, Chaos. Shout out to Chaos, No BS Thomas. And then we also paid homage to Alexis Wolf. So between Po Boys and Poets and Poets Underground and also um, a really special shout out to an organization that exposes spoken word to um, students around our public high schools, and that's Southern Word. All right. Well, stick with us through the break. When we come back, we're going to have Alexis Wolf and a representative from Southern Word join us. Let's take a break right now. I'm Khalil A. Colonna, and this is Nashville. When I was in the third grade, we had an assignment that was very important to my teacher. You see, she was a writer and loved poetry. So being from Baltimore, naturally, she had us all read poems from Edgar Allan Poe. I, of course, got assigned to read The Raven. I wasn't very excited about that, but in staying with my personality, I took the opportunity to address a crowd by spicing it up a bit. As I recited the poem, I flapped my arms around like a bird. My classmates 
thoroughly entertained. My teacher, not so much. I bring up that story because I began to look at poetry and the performance of poetry differently after that day. Not only I didn't really get deeper into poetry in a sense, but I did find a new respect for it. Poetry, spoken word, and education are quite the unit. Students become connected with their own voice and their words as they find meaning in their young lives. My next guests are not only spoken word artists, but they're educators as well. I'd like to welcome Sean Witzel, member of Southern Word, and Alexis Wolf, spoken word poet to This Is Nashville. Thanks to you both for being with us today. Thanks for having me. Thank you for allowing us to be here. Awesome. Okay, so Sean... Tell us a little bit about Southern Word. What do you all do there? So Southern Word is a really cool nonprofit organization that's been in the city for 15 years. We uh, we specialize in poetry and spoken word and even beyond that with music and even fiction writing. We place writing and music mentors in schools, um, in community spaces. Uh, we do work with all types of all types of uh, young people and even adults, and we give them the tools needed in order to not transfer, transform them into poets, even though that does happen, but just to give them a, the tools they need to um, to use their voice to um, to be able to speak truth, to power, to change the world around them. What age group of students do you work with normally? I mean, typically the, our base is high school, but we've done work with middle school. We've done work even with uh, elementary school kids. Talk to me about the environment. Like when you walk into a high school classroom for the first time, you know, you have kids. I'm sure you have kids who signed up who are excited for it, and you have kids who were in some cases, forced to be there. What's that environment like as you're kind of trying to win them all over? So we do residencies where we take over English classes and we also have clubs. With clubs, it's typically young people that have signed up for it, so they know what to expect. They, uh, In most cases, they've already had exposure to the organization. With the residencies, we've been in some schools for years, so some kids are familiar with us. Sometimes, a lot of times, we're walking into classrooms with uh, new students and they haven't signed up. They might have gotten a heads up from their their teacher that that's what they're going to be doing. Mm -hmm. And it varies from school to school, actually. You know, uh, some schools are, you know, the young people are very gung-ho and they're very ready to jump into it. And some of them need some convincing, but we have our ways of pulling young people in and engaging them. We're in over 7,000, we we impact over 7,000 students a year. Uh, We're in about 40 schools. Um, Yeah, so we, uh, I think that we are making our impact with young people, and uh, we, we know how to win them over. And you you don't, you don't win every single person, but we got a pretty good record, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, you, you mentioned that you also work with adult populations as well. Absolutely. I, right before I was here, I was at uh, Vanderbilt Psych Hospital working with adults. Um, we do work in um, on college campuses as well, so we have clubs, and sometimes we do residencies or, or one-offs in some, some classrooms, but we also do... Um, one of the things I do is writing mentorship, which has nothing to do with spoken word. It's uh, just helping young, helping the students at TSU and Nashville State with uh, just writing their academic papers. And I'll take that back. I, I can't say it has nothing to do with spoken word because I'm often there to bring a creative spin, help them think outside the box. Mm-hmm. So I do use that creativity in that work as well. Now, Alexis, you're also an educator. Yes, I am. You <laughs> teach elementary school, right? I teach pre-K. I teach kindergarten. Okay. <laughs> how, tell me, how do you use a spoken word in those settings? I get my point across very creatively. Um, actually, there are times where I am being serious and my students just think I'm the silliest thing ever. So that works. Okay. Um, I advocate for my students to be outspoken. 
to utilize their words to get their point across. I found that that just reduces a lot of the behavior issues that they might have. They're at the age where they're still trying to make sense of their own feelings. And so me having the gift of words, being able to articulate those things, promote that type of environment in my classroom where they are speaking um, at a even though they're three, four, five, six, you know, they speak very well. Um, their parents communicate to me how, you know, they say things at home and it's like, yeah, that's that's Miss Alexis Wolf all day. So um, just me being how I am, poetically speaking, has definitely impacted my students in the way they speak and approach things from a more creative, creative, imaginative space. I, I like that. You know, you're working with pre-K five-year-olds uh-huh. uh-huh. and just kindergartners. They're still learning words. Yeah, they are. Yet you're, you're, you're teaching them how to use the words that they have and grasp and what have you. Mm-hmm. Have you seen like personality changes in any of the kids? I have. So my ultimate goal is to not reduce their personalities in any capacity, but just to, you know, navigate the energy, teaching them time and place. Um, Things like that I've found just promote more. um, I want to use the word outspoken, but just more vibrant. You Mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? A lot of times we find at that age we're kind of reducing them a little bit or shushing them or hushing them in that creativity. But that's not my goal at all. You know, you want to paint on a wall? No, that's not what we paint. Let's paint here. Then we take this and put it on the wall. Just showing them things like that, just creating a space for them to navigate themselves, which what comes natural because they're at that space where they're just curious. Mm -hmm. This is how they figure out what the world means or the world around them. And I don't want to take that away from them. Just navigate it um, in a way that is conducive and, you know, respectful. Okay. So, you know, you're, you're, you're in edu- education, mm-hmm. you're a poet. How did you become involved in Nashville spoken word community? Well, so I was in the Army uh, four years. I was stationed at Fort Campbell, and Fort Campbell is in Clarksville, Tennessee. And so on the weekends when I wasn't doing soldier things, I would come out on the weekends, you know, looking for open mics, looking for like-minded individuals. And I stumbled across uh, specifically the Soul Food Poetry Cafe, performed there when I was 19, and I kind of been adopted by Nashville ever since. So that's pretty much how Alexis Wolf came to exist, specifically in Nashville. Where are you from originally? I was born in Birmingham, Alabama, raised in Atlanta, Georgia. Okay. And, you know, brought to Nashville by way of the military. Okay, so you, you came, to, you were in the Army, mm-hmm. in Clarksville, yeah. and you found spoken word spots, yeah. most notably the Soul Food Poetry Cafe. Right. But in your younger years, mm-hmm. where was you, what was your first exposure to spoken word? Well, so I had this teacher, English teacher, Miss Michelle Carney. Um, you know, I just was a student that was kind of advanced, really didn't feel challenged in the curriculum. And I used to do things like drawing when it was time to take tests. My teachers were like, you know, check your test, make sure it's correct. I'm like, I did. All of it is right. Hmm. There was a time where um, she just had it with me. She took my notebook. She ended up reading the things that I had in my notebook and was like, this is good, but don't write no more in my class. So then the next week, she brought to my attention a scholarship. Um, and she told me that I was she was going to enter me in a scholarship that I was going to win. And when Miss Carney tells you something, you, you get it done. I'm, okay. Yes, ma'am. So um, I ended up writing a poem in like three days. We entered it into the scholarship, and I won. So... And the rest is history. The rest is history. Thanks to Miss Courtney. Uh, Miss Carney. Miss Carney. Yes. Yes, indeed. <laughs> so it was a natural fit for you. It was. Okay, but you know, some people really don't like being in the spotlight. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, when you're doing spoken word, you're up there. Yeah. You are sharing deep personal thoughts, ideas with this crowd of yeah. strangers. Mm-hmm. To me, there's really something beautiful about that. You can let go 
and release something for anyone to hear. Tell me, describe to me what it's like when you're up there on stage performing for people. Mm. For me, it's a spiritual experience. Now, I do experience a little bit of nervousness, anxiety. Before I was talking to my manager, Berto, I said, Berto, I don't know what's going on, but I'm nervous. And I step on the stage, I open my mouth, completely eradicated. You know, and I love being able to utilize my words to tell a story that others share. Even if they don't understand it from having experienced it, they appreciate the words of it. They appreciate the performance of it. And so when I'm out there on that stage, I feel grand. I feel big. I feel unstoppable. Like I just feel like the possibilities for me are limitless. And I do believe that, but the stage is my playground. Mm -hmm. You know, that's where my real name is actually Alexis Wolf, but that's where like, the wolf comes to play, like, uh -huh. you know? And so, like, yeah, that's my area. That's my stage. I haven't really ever felt in, on the stage that there was anything that I could not do, mm -hmm. for real, to be honest with you. Awesome. Sean, what's it like for you when you're performing? What's that experience like? For me, so I'm a theater artist, so I'm, I act in plays a whole lot, and um, that's different from being on stage as a spoken word artist, and uh, typically, and that's because I'm as an actor, I'm on stage as a different character. Um, as a spoken word artist, I'm on stage as myself. And it's very freeing to me. It's uh, It feels like a safe space because not only am I just used to being on stage, but typically spoken word spoken word spaces and open mic spaces are one that are that's loving um encouraging if you mess up or if you pause or if you get emotional the audience snaps mm -hmm. to show you that they got your back they're they're there with you so i agree that it's like a spiritual experience with family you know mm -hmm. even if there's people in the audience that you don't know it's very familial in that way and so it's it's a great experience i don't get on stage nearly enough as 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 much as I want to, um, as much as I did when I was a little younger in the game. <laughs> so, so what's the community, the spoken word community in Nashville, what's it like? Well, so I come from a time in the early 2000s where um, you could go um, most nights in the city, uh, there was something happening most nights. Um, it was just and this this renaissance that was happening. Mm -hmm. It was explosive. There were all these. There was Kijiji's. There was a spot. There was Mama Lil's. There were other spaces, and we and we just built this community of poets and artists who would g gather together and um, just do what it is that we love, and you would be inspired by other people, and it was very. Um, it was very much like a village, and that time that had its uh, that time has a specific identity. You know, nothing stays the same. So as um, as some of us have gotten older, and you know, some of us have uh, have taken our our experience on, at open mics and 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 parlayed them into other things. And there's a new generation coming up. Um, the cool thing about Southern Word is that in those early two thousands, we didn't have this um, this youth organization literally developing poets mm -hmm. and so the scene looks a little bit different now but it's cool because we are meeting poets at a younger age now you know back then we were like in college or our early 20s mid 20s now you're seeing a scene of um, ninth graders 10th graders high school poets that are not only performing at open mics but they're competing in slams they're traveling 
uh, across the country. <laughs> That's Southern word. We send we send uh, we send a team to go compete and brave new voices every year. And they are in San Francisco or D.C. or wherever Brave New Voices is, and they're competing with young people from across the from all over the world. So mm-hmm. that's like a cool thing that's different. When I would lived in Albuquerque, New Mexico, I worked with several mm-hmm. students who for years would go to Brave New Voices and I know how important that is to them. It was wonderful to see them prepare the passion and the energy and the pride that they took in representing their city or their town on this national stage. Now, Imani Rama, founder of Soul Food Poetry Cafe is still with us. You know, Imani, you were talking about how you you know, discovered or gave Alexis an opportunity (laughs) to be on stage. And you see where she's taken it now. Did you expect to be taking on a mentorship role when you initially started the Soul Food Poetry Cafe? So um, that's a great question because my goal was to provide a stage. But little did I know that people would come forth for the first time. And, you know, I called Alexis my daughter in ink. Um, there's another um, poet named M. Dot. I call my son in ink because when he moved to Nashville, the Soul Food Poetry Cafe was the first place that he performed. And then he went on to start a whole show and movement himself. So um, I, I really embrace that part, um, the mentorship and giving the exposure and opportunity. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to um, pay honor to Alexis because she took spoken word to places that I haven't had an opportunity to take spoken word to. Like I never got into the realm of slam poetry. I did not do much traveling with spoken words. So I felt like um, some parts of me passed that torch of that young, that fire, that boldness, uh, that wolf in her. Um, I'm a, I'm 53 years old. So, so you know, I discovered poetry uh, a little bit later in life and just to see the things that she's done with poetry and a lot of the other people who have come through um, poetry, the poetry scene in Nashville to to be in um, different commercials, um, to have other opportunities outside of the spoken word realm only. It's just, is phenomenal. So I, that was something I did not in, expect, but it, it has been a pleasant surprise and I'm very proud. Mm. Now, you know, spoken word is pretty huge in places like New York, LA, Chicago. Mm-hmm. What makes doing spoken word, what makes being a spoken word artist in the South different, Alexis? Um, I would say because I have been to New York and performed, slammed in New York, the thing that makes us different is that there is an expectation Hmm. (laughs) of people from the South. And so I think the thing that actually helps me and adds to my je ne sais quoi is that I probably am not what you expect. You know what I'm saying? Um, We are expected to speak a certain way. There's a certain dialect that we are expected to have when we do speak. You know what I'm saying? And so... Being able to utilize those things to our advantage to, you know, aid to our ultimate package is the thing that's assisting and standing out. You know, we are expected to have been from the South, so we've experienced some type of, you know, racial prejudice, some type of, you know, racism in our lives. We understand that our grandparents, our parents went through these things and it shaped our culture. It shaped the way that we carry ourselves, how we maneuver through life. And so being able to take that and having that advantage, you know, because that's where our history is. I'm sure we know that we've heard the saying, 
if you don't know where you come from, you don't know where you're going. Mm -hmm. And so being able to have a innate sense and a direct connection with history in that space propels us forward in a different type of way, which ultimately impacts the way we write, the way we speak, and ultimately, you know, what we think is possible for ourselves. So yeah, the South got something to say. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Now, I I, want to ask all three of you this. Mm -hmm. This is a pretty heavy loaded question, but uh, what is the power of spoken word, Imani. So this is the power of spoken word for me. Um, This past Thursday night, I was asked to be a part of a a jazz and poetry event to commemorate the 70th anniversary of the Upper Room, a religious organization in Nashville. So so the poetry that I chose to perform had uh, spiritual tones to it. Uh, I'm a, I consider myself a very spiritual person. And again, I write my real life experiences. And the thing that really grabs me and makes and, and lets me see that this is just not a game. It is not a, a hobby. It is a calling for me. It is a part of my ministry and who I am as a person. Words carry so much power. Like the power, the Bible says the power of the tongue holds life and death. Life and death is in the power of the term, tongue. When you speak life over people, or you can speak death over people. You can bring people in or you can push people, people away with your tongue. So, so this woman walked up to me, said that my story was her story. When I explained what my story was, the poem was called Second Generation Single Mom and the Struggles of Trying to Live a Christian Life, Raising Kids by Yourself and things like that. And she said that my story was her story. Her story was my story. And and what I said to her is going to help is helping her to make decisions to do things differently in her life moving forward spiritually. Mm-hmm. So that's why I, I perform poetry because of the power of the spoken word. Yeah, that's beautiful. Sean. Yeah. So just being words and being a writer uh, myself, I've just have been transformed by words, period. Uh, Not even just poetry, but just as a as a writer of um, of plays, as a just um, someone who wrote um, in all different ways as a kid and and throughout my journey. But specifically spoken word as a. as, with, with Southern Word, I've watched kids who come from trauma, who have had, um, who are who sit in the back of a classroom and they're quiet, and they sit in the back of the classroom and they are um, um, checked out, or they don't feel like they ever could have the courage to stand in front of a group of people and deliver uh, a poem. So I've watched mm. those kids be transformed in a week's time from the from the moment that we meet them going into the classroom. And they're misunderstood because they're dealing with all these things that are that's going on at home or whatever could be happening in their neighborhood or in their lives. And then we read them as and we uh, and we look at them uh, society I should say looks at them as like kids who are troublemakers. But you when you begin to peel back those layers, you find out well this kid didn't get to sleep last night, mm-hmm. you know? And so using, um, giving them the tools and the platform, not to just write, but just also to present and to watch them use those things and 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 get on a stage and, uh, 
that's like the best reward in the world. I have countless stories of that happening and young people pushing through and not just that one person on stage, but the um, the way that classrooms come together and the way that young people in classrooms bond because of the experience they have with us mm-hmm. there. That's beautiful. Yeah. Alexis. <sighs> Man, poetry is ultimately the thing that I accredit to having saved my life. You know, I wasn't expecting to be, you know, looked at or perceived as a trailblazer or iconic in anything. You know, I was really just trying to express myself and the gift of words. You know, even in the Bible, it says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. So as poets, we possess that God particle. Mm. You understand? And so like, that's nothing that I take lightly. I leave stages and the people are DMing me, even if they're too nervous to say anything to me in person, they DM me and they tell me, you know, how my words have moved them, how I'm telling their story in maybe a way that they didn't have the capacity to articulate. You know what I'm saying? And so poetry, I'm always referred to it as a spiritual experience just because of what it takes. You know, I've had to perform pieces where I wasn't maybe in that space of heartbreak, but having to empathize with that again, to convey that again, feel that again, you know what I'm saying? And so we have the ability to encapsulate moments in time with the poetry. You know, we know what happened before us because of poets like James Baldwin and Maya Angelou that encapsulated that and allowed us to understand what was taking place at that time period. Renaissances do not happen without poets, and we possess the God particle, the gift of words. And so, like... I feel like that's one of the greatest gifts that God has given me next to my breath. So, yeah. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. So we're going to hear some of your poems, some of your work Uh-oh. when we come back. <laughs> All right. When we come back, we're going to hear some performances from our guests as we continue to explore the spoken word community here in Nashville. You can join the conversation by tweeting us at This Is Nashville. We'll be right back. I'm Khalil A. Colonna, and this is Nashville. We've been exploring the spoken word community here in our city. Now, before the break, we learned about the efforts to incorporate spoken word into education. We also talked about the power of the spoken word. Now we're going to hear some of the performances for ourselves. My guests are Imani Rama. She's the founder of Soul Food Poetry Cafe. Sean Witzel is a member of Southern Word. And Alexis Wolf is an educator and spoken word poet. All right. We're going to hear some of your work. Sean. What are you going to share with us? Uh, Yeah, so I'm going to share this piece. It's taken from a one-man show that I have called 23-1. 23-1 is the um, the number. 23 represents the number of hours that a person can legally be uh, put in solitary confinement Mm. uh, versus the one hour of rec time. And so this piece that I wrote is uh, from the perspective of a prison cell. So the prison cell is personified in speaking to and about the man who is in prison. Okay. Let's go, poet. Welcome and good evening. I've been patiently awaiting your arrival. It has been a long time coming. I've watched you from afar, counting down the days when fate would take it upon herself to seductively whisper my name in your ear and introduce the two of us, Unacquainted soulmates destined to co-occupy this sacred space. You inside of me, we becoming one existing together. See, I need you to survive. You are the biggest piece of my identity. Without you, I am purpose lost, but I digress. 
pardon my haste. I know we just met, but I have a tendency to put the cart before the horse. I take it my servants greeted you properly like the star you are, opening the white car door for you and helping you into the back seat, lights flashing like you're surrounded by paparazzi, driving you for miles along the scenic route, October sun piercing through the glass of your closed window, shining ever so gently on your innocent face. As you slowly discover the beauty in dying yellow, orange, and brown leaves leaping off diving board branches into pools of grass, longing to touch green again. I presume my staff escorted you through the high, sparkling metal gates that surround us, relieved you of your burdensome possessions, and adorned you with the finest of orange fabric that complements your beautiful mahogany skin. And a new pair of comfortable slippers then taking stunning portraits of you, front, side, side, before bringing you to me. So, how do I look? Smaller than you imagine, I often get that. A little plain, I see that. Maybe you can help me spice things up a bit. Adding your own personal touches. Pardon my wide eyes placed deeply upon you, but I can't help myself. You are all I ever dreamed of and more. Young, black, strong, intelligent, business savvy. I find your overflowing confidence extremely sexy. But the scent arising from the brown of your skin reeks with fear. Transparency. I see right through you. Forgive me, where are my manners? Please make yourself at home. Have a seat. You're going to be here for a while. An extended vacation. You'll have lots of time to relax and think. Wow. That, that, that's pretty heavy. We're going to finger snap on that one. Thank you. Um, I, I, I like the approach as if it's... Uh, meeting someone at a bar kind of like coming on hitting approaching yeah. the flirtatious seductive vibe of yeah. the of the solitary confinement cell yeah that, um talks about the the how seductive uh crime mm -hmm. can be and yeah. but not seductive the consequences yeah um very thank you yeah very much you. for sharing that piece very powerful thank you Alexis, what are you going to share with us? Mm -hmm. I was thinking if I'm going to do this one for my students or the domestic violence awareness poem that I wrote I'm leaning more toward both. I'm going to pick one. So okay. this poem, uh, <laughs> I wrote this piece. It's called Tina Turner with the Jump Shot. Um, and it is a piece that I wrote pondering the double entendre b between basketball, the idea of taking a charge versus how we feel a little bit of an inclination to pervert the sense of loyalty that we experience in love and loyalty from being in environments that we like to refer to as the hood. Mm -hmm. um, the person that transgressed me in this way was also a basketball player. So I utilized basketball terminology to tell this story. Okay. And this piece got me five best in the world. So okay. yeah, let's hear it. <clears throat> and the boy playing basketball at my local recreation center say, smile. You too pretty to be looking so mean. I guess all that taking charges for men got me feeling defensive. I know firsthand what it looked like to block a man's shot but then be blocked. 
then unblock, but still let them come home just to lay up, but ain't I MVP? How I remained available for every jail call, yet never received one for the altar. How many times did I put money on his books when he wouldn't even put none on mine for my tuition? Dang, I should have listened to mine. And when witnesses point, guard him by owning up to crimes I did not commit when people shooting. Guard him. Used my body as shield like my life was less important. I know more about being sacrificed than woman. My ex sponged off me, yet I can't even get my record expunged. Can't pass a background check, but still be expected to power forward. Piece of advice. If you are ever able to travel out of bounds and break free, throw yourself at the hands of God. Because he knows, and if a man ever lay his hands on you for anything other than prayer, you better go straight Tina Turner like she did on Ike and that limo. And you fight like your life depends on it, because it probably does, but I give you three-pointers. Love yourself. Value yourself. Respect yourself, girl, so that you never have to prove to a man that you down, because that's all that I ever was. You know how many flagrant fouls I didn't took to the face? So don't blame me for finally deciding to cross over to the sexual orientation where I could feel the most safe. And besides, they don't seem to play that rough in the WNBA. And every time I was in pain, there was always another woman to come and console me. And men might have had me living lavishly, but see, sitting in a skybox was never worth them nosebleeds. I did everything in my power to not become a victim or a domestic violence survivor, to not become my grandmother or my mother either. But a part of me feels like I internalized my mother's pain because every time my father got drunk, that buzzard beat her. So I die fighting before I ever die victim and become another hashtag say her name and self is my first line of defense just in case the police or judge can't assist because when the hell does the court side with the black woman in pain? So if a man ever lay his hands on me again, thinking he's going to get one up on me, I'll show him I think not. And if he dies, hell, he dies. And I'll proudly face center and pose for my mugshot. Thank you. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. Very, very powerful. Wow. Imani, we don't necessarily have a lot of time left for one more poem, but can you can you reflect on what you just heard? I can see why you put Alexis on stage when she was 19 years old. Can you reflect on us what you heard from Alexis and Sean? I just I just love the similes and the metaphors and, you know, the, the puns that play on words and just how how um, she put the words together and, and made it make sense. Um, I really love the um, personification. Sean, you're an amazing writer. If I've never told you this, I've been knowing you for about 15 years. Mm -hmm. I've been to your plays. I've seen you do spoken word and just to weave that into your one man show. It was phenomenal. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Really, thank you both. Thank you both. I really appreciate this. Now, Alexis, I understand you're you're a globally ranked spoken word artist, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Where? <laughs> and how high are you ranked? <laughs> so I'm currently ranked the fifth best woman poet in the world. 
um, I went about acquiring that accreditation based upon competing in the Women of the World Poetry Slam. These women come from all across the world, and we battled it out for dominance for over a course of a week. You know, uh, people get dropped about every day. They go from high rankings and low rankings, and your ultimate goal is to place 1 through 12 to get yourself to the final stage. And on final stage, we compete in three rounds. So it's actually one of the most difficult things that I've ever had to do. Um, my goal was to win first and retire and be like, I'm done with slams. <laughs> now I'm putting on, uh, putting on the slams and, you know, giving back to poetry in that way. But, you know, I placed fifth. So I probably will go back next year and get what I deserve, okay? Last year I was 15, so this year I placed five. So, I mean, number one. Number one I'm coming sure. up. Yeah. Hey, but <laughs> I'm, I'm just honored that a top five poet in the world has, has graced the This Is Nashville studios, Woo-hoo. you know? But, you know, Sean, give us, give us, we have a minute left, give us some final words on, you know, poetry, spoken word, and meaning, particularly in this time, the world... It's a wild place right now. And we're entering the holidays where people normally are reflective. Give us give us some words to take us out. Yeah, so I would say um, never underestimate estimate the power of words. And it's uh, you can transform lives and save lives through words. And I invite anybody who would like to be a part of doing that for young people to connect with Southern, Southern Word. Our website is southernword.org. Um, if teachers or students or anyone, parents want us in schools, reach out to us and we can um, definitely make that happen. But um, the power of words, uh, I'm always encouraging literacy and parents encouraging their young people to write and express themselves. So, yeah. Man, I want to thank all of you so much for being on the show. Thanks for giving, sharing your craft, your art, your passions, your gifts and talents and giving us something to think about. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having us. My guests guests were Amani Rama. She is the founder of Soul Food Poetry Cafe. Sean Witzel is a member of Southern Word, actor and writer, and Alexis Wolf, top five poet in the world, spoken word poet and educator. (laughs) Thanks to you all for being with us here today. And thanks to you for tuning in this hour. This is Nashville is a production of Nashville Public Radio. Today's episode was produced by Elizabeth Burton. It was directed by our senior producer, Tasha A.F. Lemley. The masterminds behind our theme music are LaRange and Namir Blade. Special thanks to Cameron Atkins for staying on the boards for us and helping us sound good. You can listen back at This Is Nashville org or wherever you get your podcasts and the conversation doesn't end here tweet us at this is nashville find us on instagram and tell us what you want from our show by filling out our quick survey online this is nashville i'm khalil a colona we'll see you tomorrow everybody be good to each other and happy thanksgiving Thanksgiving.